series for the month of September, which is called Redeeming Sexuality. So uh, there's no way to tackle it but head on, so here we go. I hope you're ready and excited about it. Um, but I just wanted to start off uh, before we get into the message proper with just saying that, you know what, uh, the gospel is that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? There's no one who has done it all right. There's no one who has been uh, lived a perfect life except Jesus himself. And he's the one who went to a cross, died, rose again to forgive us of our sins, of our falling short moments, of when we've missed the mark. Um, so we're all in the same boat. Um, as we talk about sex this month, we're going to be in a variety of different places. Um, you know, young people who are single, uh, older people who are single, married, divorced, all of the gamut of things in the room. Um, and I would hate for you to just immediately write off the series or even tonight and go, oh, I've already screwed that one up or, oh, this doesn't apply to me. But we're all in this together. We've all fallen short in some way. And that's the good news of the gospel is that Jesus can wipe our slate clean. We can start fresh. So um, we're going to do a little bit of a uh, Maybe you'd call it sex ed. <laughs> what does the Bible say about this topic? And uh, Mary's going to kind of intro it and kick it off. All right. Are you going to get ready for this drawing? Yeah. I'm going to. We had a little too much fun preparing for this, like coming up with different. Careful. Yeah, we know. Talking about the easel here. Okay. So, um. Yeah, so the world we live in, the messages that we're surrounded with every day um, from the world has sinful views regarding sex. Um, and we hear them every day. And it could be, I try to think of some, and some may come into your mind, but like, um, it's actually good and healthy to engage in any sexual experiences that make you feel good. A message from the world. Um, if you do it in secret, it won't affect anyone. Um, it's just a physical act. It doesn't affect your soul or your body. Are you? <laughs> Can anyone pay attention to me while I'm doing this? Okay. Oh, good. Okay. I'll continue. Okay. Um, or like, it's your right to be sexually satisfied whenever you desire. You can have what you want when you want. These are messages I hear people say all the time. It's in movies, my clients at work. And the result is um, that sometimes we can begin to think that that's actually the truth. And we can begin to think like, oh, maybe sex with someone that I'm not married to isn't so bad. You know, or um, having adulterous thoughts. That's not really that big of a deal, right? It's just so common. Pornography is normal and fine. These can become um, um, these beliefs that we build our life and we make decisions on. And so we're likening it to um, a farmhouse that has a crooked, cue the artist, that has a crooked wall and floor. And this is the world's view. This is sinful nature. And, and then we're trying to build life and make decisions about sexuality and what we're going to do. And if we build our, our blocks and make our choices and our tiles, 
it's going to look a mess, isn't it? Because we do not have a square. So, say, um, oh, this is where you want to So, this illustration we're going with is like wall tile, all right? You got your drywall up, and you're going to make this beautiful rows of wall tile. But our old farmhouse has a crooked floor. Yeah. So, um, 2 Peter 2, 18 and 19 is um, talking about false teachers, which applies to the world's views regarding sex. They mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature, they entice people. They promise freedom, while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. So the world actually is giving the very opposite thing that it's offering. So what we want to do is look at God's truth. What, how does God view sex? We want to snap a fresh, clean, clear, plumb, and level line to just clarify any crooked areas, any smudged areas, um, so that we can line up and make decisions. So how do you think it would go if you just said, you know, you kind of assume before you realize that, that you assume the floor is level and you just start placing tiles like I drew, and then you start building your way up. What happens is you get a couple of rows up, or as you get all the way up, and then you step back and look at what you built, and you're like, oh my gosh, that was crooked. But when you got there and you went to put that first one in, it's like, the floor seems about level, this is good. You put that first one in and then you start building on it. As you go up, all of a sudden you step back and you're like, oh my gosh, what a mess. It's all crooked. So. I don't want that for my bathroom. Seriously, people, <laughs> bathrooms. Okay. So, am I going to get rid of this? So, how does God view the, um, the, the sinful beliefs among the world? Well, um, he talks about it in Deuteronomy 7. I don't know. I want to do it. Do it. Start doing it right now. So, say what this is. Well, you say what all right, I'll say it. Marilyn, I'm excited about it. So, God's word is going to help us build this tile wall called our approach to sexuality. Right? So, I can still have a crooked floor. I can still have a crooked wall. Because we still live in a crooked still world. Live, still live in a crooked world. But, if we use God's word and we align ourselves with God's word, we can build something really straight and great. Right? See it? This is really important part. You see the spot? Pre-marked. Ready? Ready? Ready. We're going to snap. Oh! Bam. Yeah, wasn't that great? Was Did you hear the snap of things falling into place right there? So I haven't I haven't done a ton of wall time in my life, but I did watch about it on YouTube. <laughs> and so here's what you do you've got to set up that first tile is really important and that first row is really important you see the spot oops it went too far put this in the put this in the hole and right on the I've got it can I just do that yeah are you straight yeah alright one more bam oh. Woo. 
All right, all right, all right. <laughs> we can build something good off of this. Okay, so um, when the Israelites, God's chosen people that he loves and he's given them his commands, and they're going to go into, they're going to cross and go into the Jordan, um, cross the Jordan River and go into the new land. And he tells them, don't make a treaty, don't intermarry. And I'm comparing that to don't intermarry with the views of the culture that we live in. Stay separate so you can be honoring and following God. Um, he says, totally destroy them. Don't make a treaty with them. Because they would draw the Israelites away from loving God and really following him. And um, you might wonder, well, what was so awful about the people across the Jordan River? What were they doing? Why did they need to be destroyed? What um, beliefs did they have? What were their practices that um, God did not want them to do? Well, it says in Leviticus 18, um, describes what not to do. He says, don't have, he has this long list, which pretty much says, don't have sex with any relatives. Okay? Don't have sex with your mother, your sister, your grandchild, your aunt, your daughter-in-law. It, it just goes on and on about who not to have sex with. Um, but it, this is so important because um, a lot of times kids aren't taught this. And a lot of times their first sexual experiences are with family members. And so it's so important to you know, know the truth. Okay, let's say you're a kid. And, and you witness something, you see something, or something's done to you, you're going to be very confused. And then, you know, you grow up, and, and then you've got all the views of the world. You're going you're gonna to have that crooked line that yeah. you're trying to build off of. What a rough start. What a rough start. And so it's just so important to say, God says, don't have sex with your neighbor's wife. Um, don't have sex with a man as one does with a woman. Don't have sex with an animal. Don't pollute yourself in these ways. That's how the nations became polluted, the nations that I'm driving out. Um, so we can know what not to do because we don't want to do the sin. So this is what they are. Um, and so we're going to just kind of keep explaining to you God's view. Do you want to jump in with your, some of your points? Doesn't that look like a couple of tiles you could build on? Isn't oh, that yeah. much better? So even if... You had a crooked floor. If you go to God's word and you line up a plumb and level line and build that base row, you can have the sex life that God intended. Because you know what? The next place we're going to go read about is in Genesis, which is the story of the creation. God created the heavens and the earth. He created the people. One of the first things talked about is sex. God created it. It's not bad and it's not dirty. It was his idea. But it's his idea in a certain context. And so if we do it his way, it's going to be the most fulfilling sex life possible, you know? And, and this is important for us to talk about. Sex is such a huge part of life. We're all created from it, you know? It's pervasive in the culture that we live in, just driving down the road, um, trying to watch TV. Um, it's everywhere. So we want to, want to get in our heads the good stuff, God's way of thinking about it, not, not the world's. So let's just, I'm just going to read to you from Genesis 2 quickly. And I have another art project. I hope you don't mind two art projects in one night. But in Genesis 2.21, it says, 
So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And then, that's what Adam said. Then the quotes end. And then, writer of Genesis, our word from God says, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Bonus verse 25. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. So God is instituting sex. He's saying, This is why... A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they'll become one flesh. They will become one being, just like they were one being. And this is amazing. And the point here to take away is sex is a deep bonding experience. You know, your three parts, you're a body, soul, and a spirit. You have a physical body, you have a will and emotions and intellect, and then you have a spirit, an eternal spirit that will live forever in the presence of God if you're a follower of Jesus or live forever, unfortunately, in separation from God if you don't follow Jesus. Um, But we're chasing after him. So body, soul, and spirit, all three parts of those are involved in sex. All three parts unite and become one flesh um, with the partner you're having sex with. Okay, so um, let's read also, um, let me jump over one more thing about one flesh, and we'll do the art project. So in 1 Corinthians 16, Paul actually quotes Genesis. He's writing to a church. That's like us. That's like us getting a letter from someone we respect, um, a pastor. And uh, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. So even when uh, sex happens outside of marriage, that bonding happens. So it's great in marriage. God intended there to be uh, an intense bonding of a man and a wife. We're going to be committed to each other for life. We're going to have kids. We're going to raise a family. It's, it's the foundation he builds a family on. In this world. But done outside the context of marriage, better work. Say somebody has sex before they're married, and then they break up. And then they go, This is what happens when they break up. So pink was the girl, if you didn't notice that, and blue was the boy, right? Like I chose those colors on first. And we put a little glue together and we smash them together and set books on them. So that was the pieces of paper having sex. And Marilyn pulled him apart was the breakup. So I don't know if, if he said to her, it's not you, it's me, or if she said to him, it's not you, it's me. But somehow they broke up, and there were hard feelings. But look at this. He's got all these little pieces of her still stuck to him. And there are pieces of him that he no longer has because they're stuck to her. Sex puts pieces together. And when you try to take them apart... It's not always clean. The world doesn't tell you this, but this is the truth. That is what happens. And that's why when we meet with people in a healing and restoration setting, a lot of times we'll go over those past relationships and we'll pray through them. Because only the cross of Jesus, only the blood of Jesus can clean up that mess. But the more ideal situation is to not need to pray through that with us, but to have done it God's way the first time, which is save sex for the 
context it is intended for, which is between a man and a wife. Anything you wanted to say about that? Mm -mm. Okay, we've hit that point pretty well. So, next point. We want to model our love in our sexual lives um, after the love of God himself, after the love of Jesus. So we're going to look at a verse you probably hear at weddings in a totally different context, but it's still true. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us what love is like, all right? And verses 4 through uh, 5, we'll just do 4 and 5. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. And it goes on, all these wonderful things about love. So, this is what we're shooting for. Um, whether you are thinking about your future spouse, if you're single right now, all right, what is patient? What is patience? How am I going to patiently love my future spouse right now? Well, the obvious answer, I'm going to wait. I'm not going to have sex with somebody else. I'm going to save it for that person, right? Um, but when you are married, love is patient. When you're away on a business trip, when, you know, he goes off on a hiking trip, or, you know, when you're apart, you know, there's a, let's just be honest, there's a time of the month that comes every month, right? There's patience involved. You're, you're waiting that out. There are many situations where love needs to be patient in the area of sex, right? It's kind. So um, if you ever have a question about, is it right for, a okay, yeah, 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 they're married, they're married, they're married, all right. So, but is it right for them to do blah, blah, blah? Well, love is kind. So if she says no, then no. If he says no, then no, right? It's kindness. Love would never push itself onto somebody else. Love would never push ahead when um, their, their spouse isn't comfortable, all right? You're doing good. <laughs> Is that awkward? We're just plowing into it, right? Okay. Nothing else to do but to hit it head on. So another uh, same, same kind of thing, love does not dishonor others, right? So anything that would be dishonoring in the sexual arena. Um, and the vice versa, like what is really, really honoring to someone you're dating? Is it to, you know... How far can we go here without getting in trouble? Or, you know, maybe the ultimate honor and honoring of God, honoring of that person, and honoring of this amazing thing called sex is to reserve as much as possible for when it's done uh, God's way. And then not self-seeking, all right? So questions about, um, <clears throat> you know, if one doesn't feel like it and the other really wants to... Um, at some point, that patience, that not self-seekingness, again, I'm not going to push forward when it's not right. Um, the whole, we'll touch, talk about it in the next verse, but um, pornography is the ultimate self-seeking sexual activity, right? I would not do anything to make a better life for my computer screen by sitting in front of it watching a sexual act. It's, it's self-seeking. It is seeking pleasure for self, if I do that, right? Plain and simple. Um, but since we're on the topic, what did Jesus say in Matthew 5? You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, right? That's the Old Testament law. You have heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. That's pretty tough to do already. Jesus says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Porn is wrong. <laughs> it's the simple message there. And you know what? Whether that is 
a dude looking at something visually stimulating or whether that is a lady reading something that excites fantasy, you know, the emotional porn story <laughs> that we don't call porn in our culture, but it still is. Um, both apply and both are not the target that we're aiming for, right? Again, there's a verse that says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So our target isn't less just because God forgives us. We're aiming for perfection, which is not to look lustfully, not to have that lust in our heart, but to love God's way. So we're still going to aim for that. And when we've fallen short, we need to come to him and ask forgiveness. We don't ask him to change the standard. We ask him to forgive us for falling short, give us a sweet, clean slate, and then we start shooting for perfection once again. Okay, 1 Corinthians 7, actually 1 through 9, but I'm only going to take a little chunk of it. It says, but since there is so much immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Fulfill your marriage vows. It's your duty. So that's also God's plan. That's the straight line to build on. Because there's so much immorality... His plan, unless you have the gift of celibacy, that's the exception, which it means you can, you know, be single and um, and and be great and not sin and, and, and um, be drawn towards that. If you have that desire, the saying, um, get married, and to then once you're married, fulfill your marriage vows. It's your duty. So Bill was talking about, you know, if you're not in the mood or something, that's one thing to be understanding. But also know it's it's your duty. Say that thing about um, have sex when um, it was really good. <laughs> I don't know where it is in your notes. Maybe you'll say it later. I don't know either. I think okay. the verse. I think this verse is amazing. Paul says to the unmarried and widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control yes. themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Right and to yeah. That whole chapter is good. Read the rest. Yes. <laughs> All right. So that's, that's his plan. That's his line there to build on. Um, marriage is a plan there. So um, what if you've sinned? You kind of mentioned it already. That he, there is forgiveness. There is forgiveness for us. He, um, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and purify us of all unrighteousness. And it also says in Romans 8, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Um, live in accordance with the Spirit, not according to the sinful nature. And so um, we can be purified if we, the old picture that he had with the crooked wall on the floor, if we've got a whole wall mess of tiles, you know, he can forgive us, wipe us clean, and we can start building, making decisions even tonight that are going to honor him and, and have a nice um, wall. And, and that's, that's life. That's the best life you can have is to live life his way, to follow his commands. That's just, if you, who wants the best possible life they can have? All right, who wouldn't? Guess what, how you get it? You live life God's way, you follow his commands, you're, you're blessed and you will have the best possible life. Um, but we don't use our freedom to say, to indulge the sinful nature. So we don't say, oh, well, just God will forgive me, so I'm just going to go ahead and sin because it's not that big a deal. I'll just repent tomorrow and it'll be okay. 
don't do that. That's a big lie from the enemy. Sin has a consequence. It has a cost every time. And um, I know David, if he had to do it over again, I believe with all my heart that he would have not have done what he did with Bathsheba in the Old Testament. There was so much pain that came out of that, and God did heal. He always heals. But there was, you know, there was um, actually murder and sexual sin stayed in their family line, and, and there was so much pain that there's always a consequence. Um, so it's just not worth it to say, eh, no big deal, I'll just repent tomorrow. Um, shall we go on sinning because of grace? By no means. That's Romans 6. That's a great chapter. Um, okay, this is a uh, really important point that God highlighted to me during worship to share with you, so I'm guessing there are some people here that this is really going to help. Um, Colossians 3. How many of you um, can identify with you know, a lot of times sexual, sexual immorality isn't so much like you're doing these things, but you're thinking them or you're struggling with thoughts. It's in the mind, right? Um, well, Colossians 3 talks about that. It says, since you've been raised with Christ, set your minds and hearts on things above. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. So this is talking about in the mind, put to death. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, in the mind. And so um, um, a lot of times what can happen is a thought can pop into our minds. And um, from my experience and the people that I've helped... Um, the enemy likes to whisper things to us, and um, a lot of times he talks to us in first person, so we think it's us. So he might say, um, like what example to use here? Okay, so <laughs> he might say to you, if you're a student sitting in class, he might be like, I wonder what it would be like to make out with that person or have sex with that person. Like all of a sudden, that thought, and you're just kind of like, oh. no. And you can almost get assaulted with a thought of sexual immorality. And you know it's the enemy because you weren't thinking it before. It doesn't um, agree with who you are at your core and, and who, who you are. So that's how you know it's like a thought that's kind of assaulting you and it kind of catches you off guard. So the enemy wants you to agree with it and um, think it's you and think, wow, I'm really dirty. Wow, I, I really want that. And you might actually start making actions to pursue that. Um, but this is all you have to do, guys. Recognize what it is and renounce and break agreement. So if a, um, a thought pops in your mind, all you have to do is say, I break agreement with the spirit of lust. And um, spirit of lust, you have no place in my heart and mind. Get out of here in Jesus' name. Satan, be quiet. You're putting, the, it says, put to death. Put it to death. Um, and you can say, like, um, just speak the truth to yourself. Um, I refuse to embrace the, the lie that um, it's my right to be sexually satisfied whenever I desire um, I, I renounce that lie, I disagree with it, and the 
you know, the truth is that I'm completely satisfied and fulfilled in Christ. And just speak the truth yourself and go to the Bible. So, um, yeah, just put to death these thoughts that pop into your mind and you can win that battle. Um, and the other thing I want to say is Satan really wants you to sin. He really wants you to do that. Because um, he can do all kinds of horrible things after you sin. And one of his favorites is to heap tons of shame on you. And just, this one bugs me so much because what it does is it causes, um, it causes you to just be crippled from your confidence and just shrink back and sit back. And you don't end up being the leader that you're called to be the person in the fullness of who you're meant to be. Um, he wants to disqualify you. A lot of times people can get depressed if they're struggling you know, with sin and giving into that. And so it's just um, God can free us from that shame. Shame does not come from God. Conviction does. Conviction feels different than shame. Conviction draws you towards um, God and you, and you want to repent um, but there's no like condemnation with it. Um, you're just very aware of the sin, and there's actually love with it. Um, but shame makes you feel like like a dark cloud over you, and like you're kind of stepping back and like hopeless. If there's if there's any feelings of hopelessness, then that's shame. Um, anything else you want to say about that? I guess there's one more thing I would say about that. <laughs> I knew that. Shame. We, we saw in Genesis when Adam and Eve ate the fruit and then they felt shame for the first time they hid. So shame is a feeling of wanting to hide. There's something wrong with me and I need to go hide from that. Or um, I'm going to pull back from God because blah, blah, blah happened. That, that's what shame looks like. So <clears throat> would you stand with me? We're going to close up by just praying together a little bit. Um, like I said, we're all in different places when it comes to this stuff, but um, I just wonder if maybe at some point in our lives anyone has um, heard that whisper about, hey, let's just take a, let's just look at that person a little longer and it became lost or, you know, something that has become a pattern that then feels like it's your own and then eventually we've just identified with or vice versa maybe somebody has put something on you by a relationship you've been in you know where they have you know whether it's like actual sexual abuse doing a sex act or just degraded you in a relationship you know that had sex involved with it that can that can put an identity on you that God didn't intend for you to carry so just close your eyes bow your head and uh as I was saying that, I bet if that's you, something already resonates. Like, like yeah, when the hot person of the opposite sex walks by on the sidewalk, looking is just part of who I am. If that resonates, we're going to pray through that. If you go, yeah, that relationship, so-and-so did blah, blah, blah to me, and that was crap. <laughs> that just put me down, made me feel awful, and I thought that's who I was. Let's bring that to the Lord in prayer right now. Um, Father God, we bring to you 
any false identity that we've just taken on ourselves through patterns of sin, um, through agreeing with the enemy's lies or the, his way of thinking, or this world's way of thinking, God. We just bring to you any false identity put on us by others, especially in relation to sex. And God, we bring that to you, to the cross of Jesus, and we lay that down. God, we ask that you would sever every tie between us and the false identity and set us free. Wipe the slate clean, God. Just picture yourself putting down something at the cross of Jesus. Picture a cross, walk up, put down that thing, whatever it was, and step back from it. Just put your hands out in front of you to worship. Say, God, what identity do you have for me? God, how do you see me apart from that thing? Let him speak to you. Just gonna go out on a limb a little bit here. <laughs> While we were worshiping before the message, um, I just almost f- felt a physical choking, and I felt like the Lord was saying that somebody here. Um, really, I felt two things. I think there's maybe two different people or multiple people. One is that uh, if you've ever been choked while having sex, you know, if somebody has ever put you in that position. The Lord just has a tender heart toward you. That is not his intention for you to be degraded that way, to be controlled that way, to be um, to have no, no power, no choice in this situation. His heart for you is a love that would only empower you, that would have your best in mind. His love would lift you up. The Bible says on wings like eagles. He wants you to soar. He wants you to live a full, happy life connected to Him. So just receive that. I felt too like maybe there's somebody who, if they think about their thought life or their sex life over the years, they feel like that situation or the enemy just has its foot on your throat. You know, that it's hopeless, that how could I ever get out from under this? It's gone too far. And I feel that the Lord's word for you is that um, you can't be beyond his reach. That the Lord's arm is not too short, that he's not too weak to save. Um, that the cross of Jesus, the blood of Jesus is enough to forgive any sin, to bring you back from however far you may have gone. So the challenge for you is to receive Forgiveness. Merrily read the verse. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. He's faithful and just. It's up to us to receive that cleansing. So just let it in. And Jesus, uh, the, the religious people of his day brought a woman caught in the act of adultery before him and the, the thing they would do with people like that is they would stone them to death 
And uh, they said, all right, Jesus, what do we do with her? And uh, he said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. So he, pro- he offered protection to the, per- the woman who had screwed up. She'd done it wrong. There's no doubting that. He didn't say, oh, maybe she didn't really do it. No, she did. But he said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And everyone went away. And then it was just Jesus and this woman. And he said, you know, he had extended such amazing forgiveness, such protection from the shame heaped on her by the culture, by the religious people. And he said, now go and sin no more. You know, that is what happens. God forgives, and then he launches you out with the ability to go and live his way. So God, we receive those things from you by the power and blood of Jesus. And we want to live, according to your word, a full empowered life as a follower of Jesus. Yeah, I just also want to give you guys an opportunity to repent if you really identified with um, making decisions in your life and building your tiles according to the crooked line of your sinful nature or the crooked line of our of our world uh, that we live in, their views. So um, just repeat after me and say, Father, I repent for making choices and decisions based on the world's views instead of your views. I pray that you would forgive me now and, and wash my slate clean. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me paying the price for my sin. I receive your forgiveness. Help me to build my life based on your straight and true and plumb lines. Thank you, Jesus. So I just bless you guys to, to live lives holy and pure. And, and to flee sexual immorality and to be healed from anything that you have experienced in your life. And I just bless you in the area of self-control and to just grow in self-control and, um, and patience and, um, and just develop a love and a hunger for God's ways, to know his ways and follow them and also to pursue righteousness, like it says in 2 Timothy 2, to flee evil desires, but instead, instead pursue righteousness, pursue love, pursue faith. It gives you something active to do. Pursue these things. In Jesus' name, bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bill and Mary. Guys, if you were touched or challenged or inspired by anything that you just heard, then these guys are going to hang out for a few minutes and they'll be willing to talk with you and maybe even pray with you. I bet. I bet that can happen. So, yeah, thank you. You guys are dismissed. Please eat food and talk and have fun.